Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi Sangram, welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast titled Sunny Side Up. We're really happy to have you here today. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me. Great. Do you want to start by telling our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. So saying I'm here, I think most people who know me probably know me as someone who started the Flip My Funnel movement, haven't written the book that while is published in Accomplice Marketing in 2016, and I'm about to work on my second book on that. Prior to this, I ran marketing at Pardot um, and went through the acquisition of Exact Target, and then spent a couple of years at Salesforce as part of that acquisition. So I've been pretty blessed to have some really incredibly fun experiences professional career-wise. That's pretty interesting. So how did Dominus come about? Well, I mean, when I was at Pardot, you know, through the whole acquisition, I was at Salesforce for two years. And at that time, I realized that there was a moment where one of the months we had about 3,000 leads that we created in that month. And we beat all the records for the year. And we were just celebrating as a team, like how many leads we created. And I remember one of my sales leaders came and said, hey, that's awesome that you guys did that. Could you do 4,000 next month? And I just sat because I was like, this is never ending. Like there is no conversation of quality. There's no conversation of how could we get better at any of the processes? There's, There's nothing. And we're all thinking and acting as if there's an unlimited supply of our target accounts and target list of people that we can sell to. Clearly, that's not the case. As a matter of fact, during the same year, Forrester came out and did a study and said that less than 1% of the leads are turning into customers. So that combination of feeling like, well, no matter how much I do, it's not going to work. And the other one was seeing the stat that, well, this is not just my challenge. This is a challenge that has been faced by everybody. I was fortunate enough to meet two of the original founders of Terminus, Eric Spett and Eric Bass, and they were working on some really interesting things that I felt, man, this could be productized and we could do something fun here. So I ended up leaving Salesforce to join them and kind of restructure a little bit. And here we are. That's great. So tell us a little bit about account-based marketing and B2B marketing. Why is there such an increase? Why is there such a love for uh, ABM all of a sudden over the last couple of years? It really requires everybody to take a step back, which is We all can go back to 2000s when email was hot and people used to get 80, 90% open rate. And that was fantastic. It was great. But then five years later or so, email became such a thing where everybody's using, overusing it, where now the open rates are like, you know, sometimes less than 2%, 5%, click through rates are even less. And people are okay with that. And if you really look at last 10, 15 years, we have gone through this process of email to marketing automation to predictive, all trying to create new technologies that is truly just trying to get in front of the right people at the right time on the right channel. That has always been the goal of everybody who has been in marketing. But what we forgot in the process, and I think that's why ABM is so interesting, is we really, really, really focused on technology as opposed to strategy. Everything else I shared, like email, it's a technology. It's not a strategy. Mm-hmm. Even the call email marketing strategy. Marketing automation. I ran marketing at Pardot, so I know it's a tool. People can misuse it, and they, a lot of people do, and most people are still trying to use it just purely as an email marketing solution. Predictive kind of tells you with the right algorithms what to or who to go after, but really doesn't do anything. You have to come up with a strategy. So I think one of the big reasons why ABM has caught hold in such a big way beyond the buzz actually doing it is because 
purely it's a strategy. It takes us back to being exceptional marketers where we want to figure out who we want to go after, what message we need to create, and then dial in, focus, and align with our sales counterparts and do a really good job of it. And I think everything else was more of technology focused. So you spoke about the messaging, adding relevancy to a marketing message. How would you tell marketers to do that at scale using technology? That's a great question because I think every time you, you think about newer things, you there's there's always a chance where we look at it and say, well, you know, it cannot be done. I personally think that you can do scale. So I'll, I'll tell you a few examples. We had Daniel Day from uh, Snowflake, who's a huge customer of Terminus and a practitioner of AVM in the office last couple of weeks ago. He shared that they're doing about 500 ads that take those 500 target accounts, 500 unique pages, where they're then retargeted one-to-one in order to get in front of them and their entire buying center. So let me just unpack that for a second. He's doing Mm -hmm. one-to-one campaigns, not for one, five, 10, 500 companies, and he wants to do for 1,000. And they are, Snowflake is one of the fastest growing company in the SaaS sector in the world right now, faster than Salesforce over a period of time. They're they're trying to shoot for a billion-dollar market cap in 2020. The point being, if you want to grow fast, I think scale is important, but that doesn't mean he can generate 50,000 leads today because that market is so hot, but he's not yeah. going after 50,000. He's going after 500 and he's creating 500 one-to-one campaigns. So I think scale is very relative. I feel like a lot of times in the name of scale, we try to go and generalize the messaging. And it really doesn't work. People can see through it. So if you truly want to personalize the messaging, then we have to go beyond that and be really focused on the experience that you're creating. Not only the ad, but also the landing page. Like in their case, they're not only taking ads, getting them in a direct mail and get all those different channels, getting them to a landing page where they are now retargeting anybody who comes to that specific landing page from that specific company so that they all can measure how much traffic is generating and how much engagement they're getting on the accounts they and their sales teams actually care about. Now, that is a very different kind of scale. So I think it's time for all of us to start redefining what scale really means. Right, absolutely. So there's a lot of talk of data here, of course, you know, when you talk about measurement. So how would you tell marketers and B2B sales teams to capitalize on data? What should be their priority here? Data, that is a, a fun topic in and itself. I think everybody knows that nobody has a good data and everybody's trying to do it. You know, even when we started Terminus four, four and a half years ago, we stumbled on that problem ourselves and we realized mm-hmm. that our customers didn't have the right data. When we were doing, okay, give us your data from Salesforce and your marketing automation, and then we'll start running campaigns for it. What we started realizing it, they themselves don't have good data. So it's really, you know, bad feeding the bad and really the net result is even worse is what we started to do. So we ourselves realized that we have to go through sources that we can spend more time on. So for example, we partner with Bombora, we partner with Everstring, we partner with Net Prospects, we partner with DNB, we partner with LinkedIn, all these different data providers in order to help our customers do that. Because I truly believe not a single customer, not a single company out there has good quality data that they could say we have 100% good data or even 80-90%. The most survey results that we have seen is anywhere between 30 to 40%. So to me, I feel like 
this is again another paradigm shift for somebody who might be listening. You need to stop relying on your CRM for like a ton of data. You have to start augmenting it from all these other places, either through platforms like Terminus or through platforms like hundreds of them available right now and keep it going. But that earlier part, if your data is not right, all the one-to-one personalization that we just talked about doesn't mean or yeah. won't happen at all. Right. So what would be the key engagement metrics that one would need to track when they're putting in all these efforts and, uh, you know, doing all of this, taking all of this into account? You know, the biggest aspect of engagement, I think it's a fluffy word. Would you agree? Like, you know, when we say engagement, people, the first thing they think about is like, oh, that might be just fluffy. Like who measures engagement, right? Right. But so, it's also a very, it's something that people don't necessarily give enough importance to. Yeah, it, it doesn't because... You know, if you go to your um, salesperson or or CEO or CFO and say that, hey, we have uh, we have engagement on our website. I think one of the big reasons why engagement became a bad word was because marketing kept showing increase in traffic on their website. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. That became a one of the major elements of marketing when they're presenting to the sales team and the boards. Hey, look, whatever we're doing is working because we have more traffic to the website. Traffic coming in. Yeah. Right. And the reason we're not closing more deals, it's not our problem, it's your problem. And I think what engagement really in the new ABM 2.0 world is it's not traffic to the website from any and every place. It's traffic from the right accounts, from the right people in the companies that you want to go after. So if I were to show you a 10,000% increase in traffic to the website, that really may not mean anything because that may just mean that you've done some press releases and some interesting PR kind of market moving things. Activities, um, yeah. Activity-driven stuff. But if I were to show you that, hey, of the 500 accounts that you and your sales team is banking on in order to close to meet your business goals, business outcomes for the end of the year, those 500 accounts, if I were to show you that 40% of those accounts are actually spending time on your website, I think it will change the conversation internally where I say, okay, well, let's do something with these 40% and let's figure out what do we do with the other 60% that we don't have engagement. In a nutshell, I think what we're doing is marketing is starting to, is going to really start giving information to the sales team and the CEO based on engagement. Marketing can start forecasting and telling the sales team and the CEO that, hey, look, based on engagement, we feel like we're going to close 40% of our pipe, not 100% as you see in the Salesforce CRM. Right. So let's get to the entire strategy point here. How many touch points would you say an ideal prospecting cadence should have? And what kind of a balance would you talk about when it comes to an inbound and outbound messaging and strategy? There there is so much study done on this. Some say nine, some say 10, 20. I actually, quite honestly, I think the intentions are right, but I think the question is not doing justice to what really our future customers expect. I don't think we have to hit anybody 50 times to get the message. I think if you hit Mm -hmm. somebody 50 times and if more touches is the answer, then everybody will email, needs to email five times more and call four times more. And they know that that's not going to work. So I don't think number of touches is the answer, quite honestly. I feel the quality of touches is the answer. So going back to this example of Snowflake, or, you know, I'll give you another example. Jillian, I just interviewed on her on the Flip My Phone podcast. Her, she said that they target 250 accounts. This is Thompson Writers, It's a public company. It's it's mega company. She's part of the, the legal division that runs 60% of the revenue for the organization. So she said they go after 250 accounts a year. 
that's it. And using ABM, they're able to get in front of 95% of those accounts. And that is how they're looking at increasing their win rate. Now, you look at that, and when we look at and hear and, and understand how she's looking at touches, they're not looking at any and every touch. They're really looking at, do we have engagement happening in that account? And that engagement can happen with the very first direct mail because it is so well done, or the very mm-hmm. first path that you so well done. Or it could take three different attempts to really get the problem right so that when the message is in front of them, they get it and the time is right for them. So I really don't know if there's a real good answer or data to support one is right over the other. I feel like if there's anything, we we should all super focus on figuring out how we can create quality touches for our customers. That's pretty interesting insight. What are some of the most successful ABM campaigns by leading brands that you'd like to talk about that you think people should look at as a reference point when they're probably oh. starting out with their first campaign? Yeah. Oh, I mean, the two examples I shared, right? You know, the, the Snowflake yeah. and the writers, I think they can look at that. One of the things they do beyond one-to-one campaigns to go very specific is what I'm seeing a resurgence on is really all about customer marketing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of marketers are spending a ton of time on acquisition because majority of what the executive team tells or expects out of marketing team is to create acquisition insights, right? So they're really focused on acquisition. And some of them are focusing on pipeline velocity and very few of them, are, if any, are focused on customer marketing. In all modern CMOs or head of marketing that I'm really having conversations with lately, I'm seeing that they're spending more and more time on making sure that their retention rates are going up, their expansion revenue coming up. And ABM is a poster child for that because with account-based marketing, you truly can, you already know who these people are and the companies are because you've already sold them. And if you want to upsell or cross-sell, in other words, I like to say upserve, if you're upserving them with other product services or anything like that, you know so much about them. And if the color of the money is still green, then why not create more retention revenue and expansion revenue? Because that is really going to increase the bottom line. And as a founder myself, I feel like from a business perspective, that outweighs a net new revenue. If I can get a dollar more in retention, I'll be fine. And then acquisition, because a dollar more in retention creates better economics for the growth and health of the business than a dollar more in retention with a negative, not so good of a retention. So point being, that more and more companies are actually starting to see more revenue coming out of their retention and having marketing influence on it. And in both of these cases, both of these marketers are hyper-focused on that. Right. So what do you see for ABM in 2019? (laughs) So much. I think what I would like to see, I don't know if I would see it, but what I would like to see is ABM as a discipline just mm-hmm. like marketing automation became, like people started to hire marketing automation specialists and, and that became a practice, that became a thing. I think ABM, I would love to see, I'm seeing in some cases, like a company is hiring like 15 account-based marketing people in marketing department. So I think that's just crazy and incredible, but that's, I'm starting to see that. So I'd love to see more ABM as a discipline because it does take a different mindset happening. Secondly, I would love to see authenticity kind of raised to a completely new level in marketing Mm -hmm. where it's not gimmicky. It's not trying to allure or appeal to everybody. It's really personalized, really care, have a lot of that in it. So I'd love to see that. I'll also love to see a different level of dashboard. Like we, we like to talk about ABM scorecard. 
which is very different than what marketing has been sharing, which unfortunately now has become the reason for demise is like showing leads as a number of leads being the way they're measuring success. So I love to see a better and a different ABM scorecard, for lack of a better word or phrase there, that will truly showcase the power and influence that marketing can have working in, alongside sales in driving revenue for the organization. I think that will require a completely different set of metrics, not leads, but engagement, not traffic to the website, but pipeline velocity, right? Not number of downloads or registrations, but really penetration sort of accounts that drives revenue. Those kind of things that will be core to the CEO and the CFO and the board in the company. That's a pretty interesting way to look at things. And uh, I think it was really fun to have you over today. And uh, do you have anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Well, I'm about to go write uh, the second book on accountants marketing. So I'm just starting that off. So really excited about it. And by the time it will be done, I think we'll probably release sometime in April or so. So I'm excited about that and more, more on that. Great. So we'll have you over for a chat when that's out. Sounds good. Great. Thank you so much, Sangram, and have an awesome day ahead. Thank you so much.